Um, and for reference for people, they're not like little ones. Like I have two full sleeves, I have a full colored sleeve, and I have a full black and white sleeve, and I have throat tattoos, and neck tattoos, all that stuff. So anyway, um, when you have tattoos like that, people just come up to you and like show you their tattoos. You know what I mean? It's like just a cute human interaction that we have that I don't understand, but I love it. And I met a woman in a bar like almost two years ago now, and it was her 40th birthday. And she had this whole new piece and she's all excited to show me. And I said, that's all well and good. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We're back with another great conversation. And remember, you can find all of our past episodes at hopspirits.com or follow us on social media at hopspirits, all one word. But joining us for our conversation this week, she's a rising country artist, songwriter. Her latest single, Tattoo, is, is out now. Please welcome in Allie Colleen. That's right. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I know I kept trying to say it in my head, Jolene, Colleen, but I still uh-huh. was so nervous to say it. You do. You just got Colleen, Colleen. You got to get a little jingle in there and you got it. Well, see, if you watch some of our other videos that we do, we do like a review series and I had to say in Yeho and I really <laughs> butchered it really bad with like almost in Jeho and yeah, it was bad. So words are not always my friend. Hey, you know what? We can't all be good at everything. It's all right. I'm not good at anything, so, like, you're fine. <laughs> well, I would disagree with that because I've heard some of your music, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. And, and we're, we're going to talk about that here here, here in a second. Uh, first, you know, for those that are watching, not listening, you got a cool shirt on, right? I do have a cool shirt on. I get to meet so many really, really cool people in this wonderful lifeline that I do. And we have a festival in Comstock, Nebraska that we've played every year. And these girls have just championed me every year. That We have so much fun together. They're always in the front of the stage, and they're awesome. And this last year, they wrote me this really sweet card, and they were like, hey, just like watching you do your thing, like really encouraged us to like launch this clothing line that we've been like really dreaming about forever. And I thought that was so rad. So I wear it. It does feelings. It's a good old F you to feelings, I guess. I don't know. But they picked this one out specifically to give to me, which I thought was very cool. So repping it. I wish well, I, I could shout say, them out better, though. It's like RXRE label with an X. It's very weird, but I do have them on my page, you guys. You should check them out. See, there you go. A good, a good tease there. <laughs> and, you know, you do come with a little attitude in, in your songs, and, and we'll be talking about that tonight. But this is Bar Conversations. I've got, you know, I didn't have anything from Oklahoma where you're from. So I was like, what do I have close by? Closest I had was like Missouri. I've got some Texas stuff, but I didn't feel like Texas was right for for you. So I did a little Missouri whiskey, a little Stolak whiskey. Yes. It's holy water. A little holy it water. It is holy water. Absolutely. Cheers to holy water, my man. So you drinking anything good tonight? I'm drinking water. But I go so on you're the road tomorrow. I'm going, I go on the road tomorrow, and we have four shows this week, and I'm bringing like a couple friends with me, too, on the road to write and stuff, so I know we're going to get a little wild this week, so I'm sticking to water today, but cheers. You, you got to behave, and that, that is quite all right. So with that thought, though, I'm guessing it sounds like you do enjoy a drink. Are you a, a bourbon girl, whiskey girl, beer, <clears throat> tequila, what, what, wine? What's your go-to? I don't know if anybody would agree, but I think I'm a tequila girl. But apparently we don't get as like along as well as I think we do. But I have a genuinely good time. So, meh. As far as you know, it's great, right? <laughs> as far as I know, I love tequila. I don't know if tequila loves me or if tequila loves me too much. I don't know what it is. But if Allie gets a little saucy, you bet it's going to be on tequila. 
think. Well, and, and like I, I joked earlier, I, I was not a big tequila fan for a while. My my wife's always loved tequila. Tequila for me, Blanco's not my favorite thing, but I've got <laughs> now that I can say it in Yeho's uh-huh. <laughs> a little age on them. A little yes. age on them. I've been enjoying them. I really like the Reposados, however you mm. say that one. Yeah. I don't know either. But yeah, that's a good one. I'm not a huge on golds though, but I don't even know why. Especially they taste hey. as good. Hey, it happens. you find what you like and that's that's half the battle, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about your new single is called Tattoos. How many tattoos do you have? Because I believe you have more than a couple. I do have more than a couple. Um, I have not fact-checked this in a while, so I should probably do a recount. But I'm going to go with 27. I'm going to go with 27. Um, I don't know if this one was my 27th one. I got a little spider web recently in like February. It's like my most recent one. It's just like on the side of my face. But, um, I love tattoos. I think they're so cool. And obviously we had to do a tattoo song. I've been pitched for years tattoo songs. And it's always what you think it is. It's just a different version of like tattoos on this town. Or like a pun on I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, no, we need to find like Allie's way to do a tattoo song. And that was just, that was just what we did. We have this really cool, like, it's kind of a, it's, it's definitely a sexier version of the music that I put out. And I say that because it's the only one that I don't feel very confident, like, performing in the sense of, like, it's a very cool, sexy song. And I'm out there just like a bro, just throwing it out during this whole song. But man, do I love it. I'm a big fan. Well, I mean, obviously with with music, and I, I, f- I feel like this is, is some of your music too, and I'm sure we'll find some answers out tonight, but you like to have a story with e- each song. Um, does each tattoo have a story as well, or are some, yeah. uh, some stories maybe a little tequila-influenced? Yeah, some are tequila-influenced for sure. Um, I have a couple, though, that I really, really enjoy telling the story of. One of them is I have <laughs> I have myself. On my leg, I have like a big just just portrait of my face right on my leg. Is that in case it ever gets detached, they know who it belongs to? <laughs> in case you got to figure it out. It might be, honestly. I'm not sure. But, you know, when you have tattoos and like as many as I have, um, and for reference for people, they're not like little ones. Like I have two full sleeves, I have a full color sleeve, and I have a full black and white sleeve, and I have throat tattoos and neck tattoos, all that stuff. So anyway, um, when you have tattoos like that, People just come up to you and, like, show you their tattoos. You know what I mean? It's, like, this acute human interaction that we have that I don't understand, but I love it. And I met a woman in a bar, like, almost two years ago now. And it was her 40th birthday. And she had this whole new piece, and she's all excited to show me. And I said, that's all well and beautiful, but who is this woman that you have on your shin? Because I don't think I'd get somebody on me. And she's gorgeous. And, like, who is it? And she was like, that's me when I was 20. And I thought it was just the coolest thing on the planet. So I got me at 25 on my leg. But I am I just turned 27. So I look just like her still. My artist was like, this is definitely the first time I'm tattooing somebody on themselves. Nonetheless, like also putting a tattoo on a portrait that I also did. Because like she has my neck tattoo on her. And he did mine. So it's just a very interesting little collage of stuff. But that's kind of one of my more favorite ones to talk about recently. Because everyone's like, who is that? It looks like you, but surely it's not. And I'm like, that's me. That's this guy. 
Well, in in a few, well, not in, yeah, maybe a few years. You know, you'll be like, see, that's what I that was me. That was me. <laughs> this industry did this to me. <laughs> it's funny. It's like turned into a whole thing. We have some really really cool merch shirts that we've worked really hard on, just like getting our branding and our graphics right. And one of them is like a pinup version of me. One of them is a skeleton version of me riding a bull. And I haven't decided which one, but I'm going to add one of them to the leg. Like, I'm going to do a whole alley leg, which I think is a little egotistical, but someone's got to do it. It might as well be me. <laughs> well, and it's only egotistical if they really figure out what's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah, and if they're losers, I feel like that's a bad opinion to have, but I kind of have it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now... So did anyone else in your family uh, get into tattoos or did you kind of break the mold there? I feel like I, I'm the baby. So I can only imagine how my siblings would argue that I did not break any kind of mold whatsoever, ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but all my sisters have tattoos um, and myself included. And then my mom got like her first tattoo with my sisters around like her 40th birthday or 50th birthday. My bonus mom has always kind of had a couple, and she rocks them. Um, but my dad, for the very first time, um, got a tattoo this year. Um, and it's wild. Ooh. He really launched it, man. He did a whole – he's got a whole, like, three-quarter sleeve. So it goes from, like, the middle of his <laughs> so, arm up his So he went from nothing to, on his back. to, like, half body? He went from, Allie, are you sure you can get a practical job, to a full-on, like – arm piece it, he looks rad he looks awesome but i do tell him all the time that he looks like ali colleen's dad <laughs> and it makes me so happy <laughs> but he looks awesome he rocks it i love that i, lo I love that because i never would have expected that <laughs> well because you, you're like uh like because i have none my wife's got a couple my my brother-in-law has got you know full sleeves all that my other other brother-in-law is kind of the same way and I'm like, maybe one day, you know, you get me maybe drunk yeah. enough in Las Vegas or something. But um, that hasn't happened yet. Now, I also know that you enjoy something else. And that is mind blowing to me is Internet trolls, so to speak. <laughs> you, you enjoy them. Why is that? <laughs> Man, I don't know what it is, but. If you're going to take your time in your day to go and comment on my stuff and be mean to me, I feel like the coolest kid on the planet. Are you joking? You could have just shut your mouth and went and had a good day. But instead, you decided to create a feeling and an energy and put it towards me you know what i mean like rock on buddy if that's what you want to do go for it and i'm always incredibly surprised because i'm it's always the people that just shouldn't be doing it you know what i mean like like kind of older women that like we should be we should be buds like i would be buds with you and you're mad at me for some reason you know and it's so goofy and none of it is like helpful or contextual it's just someone having to put that energy somewhere and they chose me that ain't ever gonna take anything off my back man it's really not i got way too many things to worry about that makes sense than susan on instagram absolutely not well and i i'm guessing too that there's got to be some bits of it where you're like if I'm finally getting a little bit more of this, clearly I'm doing something right that therefore they don't like. 
So I probably am on the right track for me. I feel that way because, yes, because they're always going to put you in a box. And they can be anyone. It can be the industry side. It could be fan side. And it can be just, just people, just people being people and all of our wonderful, flawed selves. And, you know, it's just I think it's incredibly brave to live any kind of life on social media where you're allowing that because it can be incredibly harmful. The comments don't bother me because I can chalk that up to attention and anything else that really doesn't have to do with me. Like none of it has to do with me. Your comments do not have to do with me. And the DMs get me sometimes though. Just going out of your way to send me something incredibly unkind. And it usually doesn't have to do with music. I never get flack for my music. I get flack for my body, for what I look like, for who I spend my time with. All things that nobody has a place to speak on that isn't me. My mom, my sisters, my dad, no one speaks about my body or my friends. So why is a stranger on the internet going to affect my life? You know what I mean? But it is that. But I think the main thing that that whole concept has came from is the algorithm does not know the difference between positive interaction and negative interaction. You know what I mean? So if you're sending my video mm. to eight of your girlfriends going, look at how ugly she is. Instagram's like, this girl's popping off, dog. Like everyone's sending her around. She must be something, you know? So I don't care. Do what you want, interact with my stuff. Leave a mean comment, please. Because one, I've got like four or 500 moms that are gonna rip you to pieces in the comment thread. That's an algorithm boost. You know what I mean? I've got my people and they're going to take care of me. I ain't worried about you guys. Not even a little bit. <laughs> well, and you've got a, a good good group there too. Your, your family's pr pretty awesome. What, what was it like growing up in a musical family? It was... It was so much different than what I've been told it would be like to grow up in a musical family. Um, <clears throat> we never kumbaya'd around the fire or sang together. You know what I mean? I think the only thing that we ever really did together musically was the harmonies on Happy Birthday were pretty solid. You know, like <laughs> Happy Birthday always sounded real, real good in my house. There was no other awkward that, moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than that, man, we were just a working family. You know, we all worked really hard for sports. And my dad and my mom all implemented a lot of different jobs for us, you know, starting around like 10, 11, and 12 that we would do and had to do. And like, and I don't say jobs like chores. Like, I think the, one of the first things that my dad and I really did as a kid together as a project was he made, my sisters and I, we all got to build this 75-foot compression bridge for these dump trucks to get to our far pasture, you know, to load hay. Like, it was just, it wasn't like a, I'll do take trash out it was we gotta go we gotta go to the job site today guys so that was what my family did we didn't do a lot of musical stuff but i didn't take advantage of it as a child i feel like the way that as an adult i'm like you could have done that but there's no denying that i had every single resource on the planet if i had questions with my music as a child but with that said i also am so grateful that my parents never never like pushed that or overstepped it or anything and just allowed me to play in my closet until i was like 17. That's what I did. I would just sit back there with my guitar because I shared a room with my sisters. So for some reason, the little closet space was like my little like campground and I would just play music and it was amazing and it was kind. Well, and, and is it true too that you, you had to go to college first before you could technically kind of go full, full into the music career? Yeah. 
all all three of us. I have, I have two older siblings, and um, education was incredibly important to my parents. I mean, it was it was an amazing privilege that their parents made happen for them, you know. But it, it was it was it was hard, you know, for them to go to college. And um, my dad is the youngest of six kids, and it was very challenging for them to go to college and to do that. And so he had to get scholarships, you know, and and he went on a full sports scholarships and stuff like that. So for my sisters and I, it was an incredible privilege to just you have any college you would like to go to for the most part. If you, if you do your part and get in, we can, you know, we can take care of you at that college. And so, um, we all did all my sisters and I all are, are very academic and we worked very hard to do so. And I found a huge loophole and got a degree in songwriting, whatever that means. It was awesome. But that's how I spent my four years, but it was a very huge conversation in my family. And, an agreement and a deal that before I really pursued music like as a full-on career and really immersed myself in that life that I would get my education and I would go to school. It was pretty well, fun. I was going to say, it sounds like you were pretty smart, too, to go, hey, if I'm going to school, I know I kind of want to do music. Maybe I should do something that's going to benefit me down the road. <laughs> yeah, and it was cool to move to this town from Oklahoma, a kid who was the only kid who wrote songs in our town, you know, the only one who was like, I'm going to go to Nashville and make music. And everybody was like, we don't even know where Nashville is, dog, but like, have fun. And that's what I knew I wanted to do. And so getting to then go to Belmont University, which to me is like the Disney castle of Nashville. It's just this beautiful white column, gorgeous school on the top of Music Row, like, it was just a fantasy. It was the coolest thing on the planet to me as a kid to drive past that place on the few times we would come to Nashville and, and see it. And so I did. I, I thought I can come to this town and I can work really hard to network in bars, which is always really tough because they're not going to remember you the next day, nonetheless, where they parked their car. So it's a, little, it's a little tough to really get, you know, nail your name into someone's brain. But I got to go spend four years at a school where every single person that was going there was also predominantly music focused. And even to this day, I walk into publishing meetings and copyright um, discussions and stuff like that when we're formatting our albums and I'm, I'm staring at my classmate. You know what I mean? And that's also incredibly cool because everyone in this town does music, but there's still something about just knowing somebody personally when it comes to, oh, this is the show we have, what artists we want. Almost 90% of the time in this town, it comes down to, I know them and I can ask them personally. And that's how it gets booked. You know what I mean? So going to school with these people and growing up with them and trying to like make friendships that way was incredibly helpful for me in this town. Well, and, and you mentioned growing up, up in Oklahoma. What was that like for you both, you know, just in general and then obviously musically as well? Musically, um, there wasn't... There wasn't any kind of music scene in Tulsa then. Um, now there's a really, really cool nightlife in Tulsa. And I think it kind of pulled inspiration from like the nightlife there in Kansas City and like their light districts that they have. So Tulsa's really started doing that in like kind of the last 10 years or so. And it's really grown. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, growing up, there really wasn't a live music scene in Tulsa too much. Um, and then growing up, like I had two older sisters. And so that was my music influence with my sisters. Whatever they were bringing home and listening to was what I was listening to. And um, so that was always really cool because my oldest sister listened to all the cool stuff. Like, I want to be the Amy Lee of country so bad. I just want to be like Evanescence, but like have narratives and like really cool like country stories, but like literally just be Amy. And that was Taylor's, my oldest sister, that was her band she loved evanescence and she loved nickelback and she loved three days grace 
and she loved that kind of alternative stuff and I was hooked. And then my middle sibling brought in the pop stuff, right? Like loved loved the Jonas Brothers and loved like all of the Disney Channel people that were transitioning into like kind of the older radio stuff. And so that was always really cool. So my sisters played a huge influence on my music growing up in Oklahoma and even now what I listen to today. So that was very cool. But I don't know what it's like to grow up anywhere else. But Oklahoma was pretty, it was pretty chill. You can put it that way. <laughs> so not, not the most exciting nightlife. That's what I'm hearing. Not the most exciting nightlife. No, not the most exciting anything. Not the most exciting anything at all. You had to get so innovative on how you were going to have your fun, and we did, and and it was very fun. I, I, I went to a, a really incredible school. I went to the same public school that my mom went to, which I always thought was cool. I was my mascot. I was the high school's mascot. That's like, those are kind of dark days for me, but everything else was great. I was this huge ram. My coach told me I could get out of sprints that day if I went and auditioned for the mascot, but I didn't expect to make it, and then I had to be the mascot for the whole season. And I had to double my sprints the next day at practice, so none of it was a deal. None of it was good, but it was kind of fun. You, you were too good. You were too. You should have just have half-assed it, and it might have been okay. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned, you know, kind of growing up on the alternative scene, little pop scene. Were there any artists, though, that, like, you know – that you draw inspiration from when, you know, you're kind of creating who you are and, you know, that you maybe set the path or, or, or the trend for you. Absolutely. Um, a huge one is Cody Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget my friend uh, in high school had tickets to a Cody Johnson concert and someone couldn't go. And I wasn't familiar with the artist and they were like, well, you just come with me. And I said, yeah, of course let's go. And I think I was 14 or 15 and man, I have, I've just had the bug since. I think Cody Johnson is incredible. I think what he chooses to sing about narrative wise is, is awesome, especially like in our world of country now. Um, but more than all that, he does Kojo. Like he's always done the whole Kojo thing. And so we do Alco. That's where Alco came from was Cody Johnson. So all of our stuff is Alco for Ali Colleen. Um, this is my hat. It has like my Alco signature on it and everything's Alco. So, um, I totally ripped off Cody Johnson for that one. I was like, I'm taking Alco and I'm taking your guitar strap. Because I saw him use his guitar strap one time. I fell in love. So I still use it. So he's a really big influence for me. And Ashton McBride as well. well I was going to say, I mean, not nothing wrong with either one of those. And, and it, no, it's they're funny pretty because, good. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're very good. And it's funny because last week I had on uh, David Adam Burns who's, you know, kind of big in Texas. And he's like, Cody John, there were a couple of people and that's where I, he ended up Cody, leaving Cody. Nashville and heading, heading down to Texas. Cause the sound was just kind of what he, he wanted. And, and clearly few people can make a big impact on a lot of folks. His sound was incredible. And man, he, he knew who he was and he knows who he is. And that was also incredibly encouraging as a kid who grew up on Texas country but again, I think it's so funny that you weren't gonna you weren't gonna partner Texas alcohol or Texas whiskey with an Oklahoman. Thank you for not doing that. That was a hundred percent a good call on you. Missouri, Kansas, it's fine for some reason. You nailed that part too, but not <laughs> Texas. Uh uh-uh, uh, no. But their music scene has always been incredible and they're always coming up to Tulsa to play Kane's Ballroom. And so that's where that was kind of my venue that I would always watch people at growing up. Papa Roach was my first concert there. I think I was twelve and it was so much fun. Um but he really knew who he was, and he had offers forever from Nashville. You know what I mean? To, to come to Nashville and to kind of do the Nashville scene, the contemporary music scene. 
And just watching Cody just choose over and over to just pick his brand over what everybody else was doing and be like, no, I'm Cody Johnson. This is how I'm going to grow this. I do best in Texas. I do best in Oklahoma. I do best with a blue collar crowd. Like I don't need to be marketed the way that Nashville is going to market me yet. You know? And then finally at one point he merged with Warner and just watching all of that as an independent artist was really encouraging for me and really cool, especially as a country artist who does not fit into any like commercial boxes that country currently has for me. So I'm, I can't tell if I'm making a box or if I'm digging holes, but I'm working really hard. <laughs> I think you're making some boxes because, because <laughs> uh, you know, well, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks, and and it's it is so interesting to hear you say, you know, how 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 Cody found kind of his sound and stuck to it because I feel like that is so hard for people because you can get, go down that rabbit hole of like. Well, I'm having success doing, but then at the end of the day, you might not like, like yourself in the mirror, but right. you know, for you, you come in with this edge, you're yourself, you're true. Where does, where were you able to kind of find that comfort to do that? I think it was in how private I was growing up with my music. Um, my parents were incredibly protective of us and we were actually very private. You know, I, I, my sisters and I joke that we didn't meet kids our age until we were like 10 years old. <laughs> you know, we just didn't, we were always around adults or we just had each other and that's what we did. Um, and so I think there's just something about like kind of, I don't say isolation in like a negative way, but I was incredibly isolated with my music as a kid. I felt like, again, I played by myself. Um, in my room, in my closet forever for the longest time. Because I was also incredibly intimidated by my parents. And that took me a very long time to understand that that's what that feeling was. Was I was just too nervous to go and play in front of people who are the greatest at what they do, in my opinion. And also, I didn't sound like my parents. And for some reason, I thought that maybe that was also going to be something. So I was just incredibly private. And I spent a lot of time figuring out what Allie liked to play for Allie, you know, and that was it. Because when other people wanted to listen to me, they wanted to hear these covers of these artists that I loved, but they weren't me, but I loved them. And so I think that there was a huge freedom in that for me and in the privacy that my parents created for us and, and, and that kind of thing. And then at that point I was so in love with it. I wasn't going to let it go. I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this until somebody likes it because this is what I like to do. Um, and so it was incredibly encouraging and incredibly kind. And I found, um, I found that I'm very proud of that as an adult. Well, it, it's a great sound. And was there ever a chance that you were not going to be a musician somehow, some way? Nope. Not one. <laughs> not a single one. I think I started writing like little jingles and like songbooks and stuff. When, I mean, as soon as I could articulate it well enough to write it down. I mean, I was probably six, seven, eight years old when I started writing. Um, the guitar thing came away later. I just stared at that for a really long time. I think my parents got me my first guitar when I was like nine or 10 and I didn't pick it up until I was probably 14. Um, and then my guitar's been my best friend since then. And so it's been incredible to also grow in that kind of way and put in that work to, to really learn that skill because singing was always something that came very natural for me. I always enjoyed it. I loved it and I worked very hard at it, but it never felt like it. It was just, I was just singing all the time. That's what I thought I was doing. Guitar kicked my butt and continues to every single day. That thing's so hard for me, but I love her. Her name's Betsy. She's a good egg. But dang, that was tough for me. That did not come natural at all. Um, but I, it was, there was never anything else. 
I love animals. My family has a, a veterinary clinic back home and, and I've grown up in that and loved it, but nothing other than music was going to take up my time forever. Well, and, and you mentioned it too, that you've always loved songwriting from an early age and what's your writing process like? Cause obviously you've seen a whole bunch of different things in your, your life with probably the experiences that you've been able to, to have. So what's that process like for you? Um, independently and like privately, it's, it's always something that I feel like I, I don't have the choice not to write about. So when I write by myself, it tends to be more heavier stuff. It's a very much like a, just a therapeutic way for me to work through big emotions and big feelings and, and that kind of stuff. Also, it can be a huge outlet to place those big feelings on something that isn't what they are. You know what I mean? So I create a lot of narratives that come from a personal place, but the story that you hear isn't a lifeline that I have. You know what I mean? And so that's also incredibly cool to, to kind of get to throw these big feelings into something for somebody else. Um, all strictly selfishly, it all helps me. You know what I mean? It makes me feel better and it helps me process and it's all good. So I love the independent writing style that I have and it's, it's, it's different every single time. But when you talk about commercial writing and co-writes and like the world of Nashville, we schedule like three hour blocks for the most part. And so you go and you write for three hours and then everyone kind of brings stuff to the table. And just my personal rule is like if, unless it's a hundred percent for me and I need it and I'm asking them, Hey, as songwriters, I need you guys to help me as an artist articulate this and do this today. And, and if that's the case, that's just, that's just what we have to like, you know, they, they jump in on it with me, no question. But for the most part, we don't write anything that every single person in the room doesn't care about because that's how you get the lyrics that change people's lives. You know what I mean? Is by somebody who just cared about it. It doesn't have to be anything they've experienced or lived, but I need you to care about it. And so I'm incredibly lucky here in Nashville to have a group of songwriters that care about the narratives that we're creating and, and the energies that we're creating and the lifelines that we're creating for people to sit with for three minutes, because those things change your perspective on what you're going through and how you're feeling. And I mean, it either creates a whole vibe for your night or it, ruins your life you know what i mean it's pretty awesome that's a privilege right there to get to do that to people so i'm a i'm a big big fan of writing i often get asked if you had to perform or write forever which one would you pick and i just say absolutely not that's that's <laughs> no i'm not even gonna do that i'm gonna do both forever <laughs> well there's a beauty to it because it's one thing to write the song it's another to then perform it because that brings it even further to life and people are able to connect with it. I'm sure that that happens a lot at shows where people are like, they see themselves in those songs. Oh, it's amazing. I always thought it was so strange as a kid, you know, hearing, hearing the conversations that, that fans would have with my parents. I think that that, when it comes to my, my childhood and growing up, that's one of the largest takeaways I've ever had is watching my parents interact with people as artists, you know, not as, not as friends and individuals, but as an artist, as somebody who's taking on almost like a cape for you, you know, and, and watching my parents be heroes when they actually didn't have anything in them that day. And that was very cool. And so to hear people be like, man, you, you wrote that song about me. I was a kid. I always thought, no, they didn't. They don't know you. What are you talking about? Like, no. But even then as a kid, I had songs, you know, that I listened to all the time. And I was like, this is me. They wrote this about me. And to get to have all of that come to fruition as an adult and to have, little girls come up to me at my stuff and tell me that I wrote wildflower about them is just, Oh, I could cry. It's the coolest thing on the planet. 
Well, and then you end up getting nice t-shirts, you know, nice uh, shirts, and all that, and you've I made know. a connection that you can live, you know, that lives forever. Mm-hmm. I got friends all over the place. It's incredible. We had our first being in tattoos. I have. There's no flattering way to show it, but I have a cool kid tattoo. And it says "cool kid" right on the inside of my lip because that's kind of our branding. We're cool kids, right? We have our edge of who we are. I don't take any crap. Also, we don't harm anybody or anything. You know, you're kind, and 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 that's what a cool kid is to me. And so, anyway, I've had this for ages, and I love it. And my whole fan base is called the Cool Kids. We have this fan club called Cool Kids. But anyway, for the very first time, one of my fans, her name is Abby. She actually has a chicken named after me, which is incredibly cool. And um, she said, "I've got nothing named after me. It's okay." <laughs> Dang! All right. Well, if I ever get some chickens, I'm a Jonathan out there. You know what I mean? It'll be fine. I need she one. Sent me I need a picture one. of it. I said, "You need to spice this chicken up." And so the next time I saw it, it had a little bandana and a garter on it. And I was like, "Yes!" I was so excited. But anyway, Abby um, came to one of my shows recently, and then she showed me that she got the cool kid tattoo on the inside of her lip. And I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. And she's got a bunch of friends that are going to get it. And I've got a couple other cool kids in the fan club that are going to get it also. They've talked about it forever. A couple of them aren't old enough yet. And it's just, like, so silly. It's just so silly. I just got friends everywhere that want to listen to me sing. It's so stupid. It's awesome. I was gonna say. I mean, that's that's what you hope for, and that, and I think that's what makes it, it worthwhile. And how worthwhile was it for you to be able to release your debut album, Stones, and share those songs with everybody? That was incredible. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. And it's a very cool thing looking back at it now, too. Like looking at the photos and the pictures, and and watching us create an album at a time in history now where we couldn't touch each other or be around each Mm -hmm. other or even sing without a mask on. And so I think it's so wild when I think about the Stones album and I think about how much work was put into it. Those guys sat for nine hours. They sat for nine hour sessions with masks on and, and played their instruments with all their glasses fogged up. You know what I mean? And it was just wild. And I couldn't be near anybody because I was the only one who didn't have a mask on because I was singing. So I was in an isolated booth pretty far away from everybody and we worked our butts off to just to do it right and to do it well and to keep everybody safe and still make this music. And so that was very wild looking at Stones having released in 2021 was the entire making of it was all in isolation and all, you know, incredibly quarantined. And and that was just a whole I mean, I thought about my first album my whole life and I did not think that it would be during a global pandemic. Are you joking? I was like, what is? this this is the moment we've been waiting for and here we are we just get to see each other's faces this is so weird so that was a very cool part of stones outside of just making an album for the first time and um there's a lot of songs on stones that receive those conversations of this is me or you know this is a song that finally gave me the you know the courage to choose myself you know over this relationship that I was in and yada yada and all those things and all the wildflowers that came out of it and and all of just this really really cool encouraging stuff and I think as a songwriter I'm so proud of that album I think it's the coolest thing on the planet and then I think as a performer and sonically everything that happened after the album songs like halos and horns like that's the kind of stuff that finally I felt like I, for the first time, was getting to perform what I wanted to perform, opposed to getting to, to share these narratives that I felt like people needed. 
it was totally different than to then switch and go, I'm going to be your entertainment for the next 60 minutes. Like, here's <laughs> Halos and Horns, guys. Feel free to watch. Like, dang, it's been so cool. So I'm so proud of Stones as a songwriter, and I'm very proud going forward from Stones as a performer to create an entirely new second album structured around performing and, like, also creating those narratives. I'm just, I'm very excited. Well, I was going to say, you, you literally mentioned, like, one of my favorite songs that you do, um, Halos and Horns. That's by far, I think, one of my favorite ones that, that you've yes. released. Because, I don't know, it's, to me, it's one of those songs that I feel like you hear it live, you hear it no matter where. You're just like, ooh, it like catches you and you're, you're right in. Yeah. What was it like to record that one and, and put that one uh, out? Halos and Horns is a whole new beast for us because I got very very privileged and lucky to gain um, an incredible friend as a songwriter named Sarah Bryce, and she's incredibly talented. And she wrote Stones, which is the title track of the, the first album, and she wrote Wildflower with me and all those kind of things. And so Sarah is the wife of Lee Bryce, and so we got connected in that way too as writers. And so Sarah and Lee and I started writing together. And there was one write one day where Lee was just sharing like some demos that he was working on. He was actually working on pitches for Yellowstone. And I said, man, can I hear one of them? Can I just hear one? And he played me the song that was just like spooky and like stompy. And like, it was so cool. I was like, it should be on that show. That was my first time. Man, it should be on it was that show. So cool. <laughs> he played, he played this song and I thought it was so amazing. And so then months and months later, I wrote Halos and Horns with my buddies, Steven and Eric. And I, right in the middle of it, I was like, guys, I know who we need to help produce this. Like, I, I know exactly who it is. And it's, and I told them and they go, well, yeah, that'd be really nice. I said, I think we can do it though. I really do. I think we can do it. And so getting to have Lee Bryce produce Halos and Horns was probably one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. And then on top of that, he was like, well, can I bring my buddy in to co-produce? Because like, he's really, really sonically you know, I think he's, he's the guy for this song. And I was like, sure. Do I know him? And he's like, it's Jared Neiman. And I was like, that'll do. That'll work. That'll be fine. That's ah! fine. That's cool. That works. Dog. Sure. So I got to go into the studio and do three songs with Lee and Jared. And we did, we did Hales and Horns. And we did this other release song called Feels Like. And then we have another song that we're sleeping on that I cannot wait to put out in the world. But Lee decided that he wanted to be on it, which was an incredible honor for me. But that is a lot of logistics and legal worlds and his world of music. So we're really waiting on the ability to get put it out. But um, that was that was insane. And I have Jared and Lee to thank 100% for how Halo's movie turned out sonically and all the spooky stuff that they added to it. And then how much they allowed me to add to it, I thought was very cool. Because I have been in the room with producers before that were incredibly um, <clears throat> well-known to the state of Lee as well. And it was just kind of like every idea, they were like, that's cute. It doesn't really work like that. And Lee and Jared, not one time, were they like, it doesn't work like that. They go, let's find out. And it was so fun. It was so cool. And, and the stuff that came out of it was just wild to me. So I'm, I'm incredibly proud of Halos and Horns. I'm happy that you love it because I wait all set for Halos and Horns. I just count down the songs until I get to play Halos and Horns. Well, and, and I love, too, that like you're like you were talking about, you know, Lee was pitching Yellowstone and stuff. I'm like, to me, that sounds just like a song that would be on a show like that. You know, and <sighs> it's just there's just that. It's, to me, it's that intro part that is just amazing. And 
and that hooked me from the get-go and then obviously you know you you seal the deal but it, it, it's so cool and what, what's funny is when you have a, a song that's a completely different feel in honest man what was it like writing that one Honest Man was cool. Honest Man is incredibly kind. It was something that I wanted to write for a really long time um, because I've always felt that way. I've just, I'm a big, I'm a big love guy. I really am. I'm a big fan of love. I think it's pretty cool. And, and I think the work that it takes to get relationships like we all imagine, I think is immaculate. I think it's incredibly cool. And so I've just been a fan and I just, I've watched my dad be, in my opinion, one of like, the kindest romantics I've ever seen in my life. And it was very cool. And as a young kid, that made me want to love somebody like that. So I've very much taken like, it's not a masculine role at all, but culturally it feels to always be more of a masculine role in my relationships. Where like, I want to take care of you. I want to get your door when you need your door open. Not all the time, but like I'll walk around the car and help you out. But like, why not? I think it'd be so kind. And so all that to say, I think that men deserve to be asked to to marry. You know what I mean? Like, how cool is that? That, like, my nephew one day could have a girl who loves him so much that she just asks him to marry him, you know? And isn't one of those women that sits just resentful forever going, when's he going to ask me? I'm like, just go ask him. Like, how cool is that? You want to spend forever with somebody. I don't understand how gender roles fall into who gets to make that decision and ask that question. So, anyway, all that to say, I just... I wanted to paint that picture and I wanted to paint that woman as not an outlying woman. You know, she's not rough or tough or like burly or like mean or like intimidating. She's kind. And I think that's one of my favorite lines in Honest Man is you make me feel fragile and bulletproof. Like having a partner that makes you feel so safe in your femininity that you can be feminine. And you're safe enough to be feminine, but also you're safe enough to be masculine and to, to take up the load when it needs to be taken up and, and to, to show up for your partner. So Honest Man was a lot of conversations like that all day. I had my friend Kate with me and we had two gentlemen in the room as well, Big Benny and Lance Carpenter, which are incredible writers. But a lot of the day was Kate and I writing and then looking at Vinny and Lance going, would you still say yes? Would you still say yes to this woman? And, she, and they were like, we're in. I was like, we're doing it right. We're writing it right. We're fine. And the guys did kept wanting to throw in lines like wild child and like, um, you know, just stuff that made her seem like an outlying woman. And I was like, no, she's a common woman. She's, a, she's, she's just a woman. She's a woman who loves somebody. She's not wild. She's not breaking the mold. She's not doing anything. She's just loving somebody enough to ask him to marry her. That's it. And so it was incredibly cool to have those conversations all day and to land on Honest Man, which we sonically made for weddings. So that's kind of why it's so much different than everything else is because it was made and produced as a first dance song. So it's very sweet. It's very swaying, that kind of thing. Well, and, and do you ever feel like, I don't want to say weird, but, but, but like for you, you have so much yeah, edge and then I you come do. in with a softer song. <laughs> I feel, I mean, I feel a lot of things, okay? I feel a lot of things, but we have created this really cool, vulnerable place in the show. Um, and it's something that I saw Ashley McBride do forever. I've seen a lot of artists do it. It's not uncommon by any means, but watching Ashley do it was a big changer for me. And it's just that, it's just that acoustic set right in the middle of the, of the show, you know, where the whole band leaves. My guitar turns on for the first time. 
and I get, get to Betsy play out. and I get to play for people. And it's always in that realm that we get to do honest man. And we get to do even like only Oklahoma and just really sweet stuff that um, maybe sonically doesn't fit as well with kind of the rougher, tougher stuff that we do. But um, this is also the time where the crowd gets to sing. So we get to do stuff like when you say nothing at all and, and just those big, kind, lovey songs that people want to sing along to and do. So it, it gets incredibly vulnerable sometimes and incredibly weird. But that is also the whole point is why Halos and Horns, I think, is three songs after the acoustic set. And you just rip into it and you get back to you get back to the point, which is I'm the toughest, meanest thing here. Please don't mess with me. Please don't get close enough to find out that it is all mush inside. It has a very tough exterior, so you never find out. It's just mushy peas in here, man. That's all it is. It's just a big <laughs> big bean bag. <laughs> well, so where does uh, tattoos fall in the set list then? I think it's right before Halos and Horns. I have this privilege of taking my best friend out on the road with me. Her name's Carly Rogers, and she's an incredible artist in her own right. And we actually did a duet together. It's called Blame It on the Wine. And it's, it's like a two-female song. It should definitely be, um, as far as Carly and I go and our lifestyles and stuff, it should be a man and a woman singing together. But hearing Carly do it, I was just like, dude, I want to sing that song with you. And she was like, uh, you know, it's a love song, right? I said, I do. I want to sing it with you. And so we, get, we have this really cool duet that's two women, and it's Blame It on the Wine. And it's incredibly cool. So anyway, Carly plays that kind of right out of the solo set. And she takes the stage and she does her thing and I get to join her. And then I think it's tattoos. And then I think it's halos and horns. Because tattoos is incredibly cool and everybody loves it. But it is way different. And it is one of those songs that as of right now, people just kind of watch. You know, they kind of get like a little taken back by it and they just watch it. It's almost like once we finish, they're like, will you play it again? And we're going to enjoy it this time. We were just watching this time. So we do tattoos and then just instantly just rip into halos and horns because I don't know. It just works, but I love our live set. Well, I was going to say, I mean, they, they look at you and they go, wait a minute. Now I get tattoos, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean for that, but like you, like you said early on that song for you, you, you had been pitched so many different things. Um, clearly you went with a different vibe and it worked. I did. I went with the one that made the most sense to me. And also, like, I have tattoos because I think they're the sexiest thing on the planet. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stories in my tattoos and there's a lot of things that have meaning that I, that I care about and I get to see every day. I mean, I have a flower for everybody in my family. There's, and it's my right hand. There's not a hand I shake in this town that I don't see every single person that my lifeline affects, you know, and it's very cool. But for the most part, I think they're sexy as hell. That's it. I really do. I love them. And so that's what tattoos was going to be for me. It was going to be somebody covered in tattoos that I was just enthralled about. And that's what we landed on. So again, it's a very sexy song. But also, it's the only song that I've ever done that had a producer, almost artist credit. So my friend Dom is an incredible pop producer, and that's what he does. And so tattoos is really a collaboration, almost like a Cam and a Diplo thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's very much like a DJ and artist thing. So it's the whole artwork for tattoos is Allie and prod by Dom. Like he's on the artwork as well. So he has a huge responsibility for why sonically it is so poppy. And so, so that way driven also. So it's also a collaborative project. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they just think it's an Allie single, but it's very much a collaborative song tattoos is, um, but I'm, I'm really proud of it. 
Oh, it's it's a great song, and 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 I feel like you know hearing you talk about the set list and having it go into halos and, and horns is is a perfect perfect way because you know maybe people wake up and they go like, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh. we're, we're good to go. But but also is all of this leading to another album? Oh yes, yes. I have all the songs picked out. Um, I just can't afford it yet. <laughs> But I have all the songs picked out. I'm so excited. We've been working forever to start this album. Um, and we still have just a little while to go. But we're really hoping that 2024 will be the year for us that we get to release it. Um, but we have all the songs already. I've written all the songs. I've got everything ready. And Halos and Horns will be on the second album. And it will be sonically kind of what the whole album is based off of. Um, it won't be re-recorded. Like it will be the halos and horns that everybody knows and is already familiar with, but it will be very much like the structural basis for what the whole album is centered around. Um, we have a song called Rolling Stone that we play in our live set. that is unreleased. Um, and the whole point is like, I want to be a rock and I'm sorry that I'm not sincerely your Rolling Stone. And it's just like about my fans and these people that just cling to you as a person. And it's like, I'm never going to be, everything you want me to be. Like we talked about the internet trolls earlier. There's so many people that followed my career early that still want me to be 17 year old Allie and 27 year old Allie is incredibly different than 17 year old Allie. You know what I mean? She's changing. She's evolving. She's doing her thing. And there's a lot of people that don't want to follow all the way. That's okay. But again, like I can't be something for you. I'm me. And if you receive something from that, that's awesome. So anyway, the whole album I'm thinking is going to be called sincerely and it will all be based around Rolling Stone and me and halos and horns and i'm incredibly excited well i'm also not excited because that sounds exactly what i would i would love to hear and what's it been like to blaze your own path because you've taken a little different path maybe than than others you know with everything that could have been presented to you what's it been like to do that it's been incredibly rewarding I mean, it's been, it's been everything that I thought that it would be and more, and it's been way harder than I ever thought it would be. Um, and it has been more fun than I ever thought it would be. And the alley that has came out of it all surprises me sometimes too. I'm incredibly proud of her and, and, uh, I'm a big fan. I really am. I like her. I like her a lot. And, um, I get told a lot what my career could look like if I made certain decisions. And I don't believe in that lifeline. I really don't. I don't think I'm missing out on some kind of red carpet walk to fame. I really don't. I have this amazing opportunity to create what I believe will be a lifelong lifetime career with a consistency that is just so kind. I mean, I have gone through a lot of stuff personally in the last like five years, everybody did from COVID. I think COVID launched a lot of really personal journeys for people that they just couldn't ignore anymore. And that was a big thing for me. And I just think if any of this happened in any other timing than how it has, I don't know where or how well Allie would be doing right now. I don't think she'd be doing very good, dog. I'd definitely be drinking a lot more tequila and I can promise you I'd be drinking it tonight. You know what I mean? So dang, I'm incredibly proud of, of how we've done it. And I'm incredibly proud too to um, to be able to show somebody, and this might sound egotistical, and it might be, but to get to show people that like 
you don't have to do it that way. You know, like whatever your lifeline was set up to be, that you are told your whole life that you are set up to be a way, doesn't have to be that way. You can go and do it on your own. And the way that I have done it, there's nobody responsible for my success other than me. And there's also nobody responsible for my failures other than me. And there's nobody who gets to receive the reward or the credit other than me. And I'm so proud of that. And I want everybody to go and do that. And I know that, I don't know, life's really hard. So do what you're able to do. But dang, I'm incredibly proud of how we've done what we've done. And I hope that it stays that way. Good God. <laughs> well, like, like I said, I knew nothing about backgrounds uh, before I found you. And I love the music before anything else and everything else yes. was a bonus. You know, Al- Alco, I'm a fan. Cool kids. Heck yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get the tattoo, but, you know, I I, I'm, I'm part of the group. You're you going to be a cool kid? I'll do it for you. Uh, I'll do it. It'll be your first tattoo. Keep giving me. I also, I sell temporary tattoos. Okay, that might work. Mm-hmm. Also, my we daughter might like that too. We have temporary tattoos. We have my firefly as a temporary tattoo, and I'll put it on you, and I'll, I'll slap it real hard when it's done. You can say that it hurt. It'll be awesome. <laughs> well, I probably would, but my, my also my four year old daughter would probably love that because she like loves temporary tattoos. It is awesome. The fireflies are technically like wrist size, but I have so many children that buy them and put them on their neck, and I just have little like six and seven year olds running around my concerts with throat tattoos and i'm like if this isn't the greatest life on the planet i don't know what is like this is what i've worked for is seeing that six-year-old right there with a throat tattoo that's the coolest thing on the planet you've made fans for all generations (laughs) (laughs) i'm very very proud and very excited and thankful for all of them they're incredible well, and, and it's because of the, the, the music that you make. And, you know, what else can folks expect the rest of 2023 and obviously into 2024? We have some collaborations. I teased one earlier with you guys with Lee that we that we're hopefully going to get to do here soon. Um, I have a collaboration with another artist that is just absolutely crushing it right now. And I look forward to that day, but we can't talk about it yet. But I'm so excited. And it's, it's a good tease. It's exactly, a good tease. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And um, very proud and just really working on music, really working on also show, like social content that fits Allie's brand and not just like following every single Instagram trend that there is because that's the only way the algorithm will find you. You know what I mean? So like really trying to find a way to make it work to where, again, we just add to this longevity of growth that we're having. Um, we're not, I'm not trying to do any overnight stuff, you guys. I'm not going to be the next TikTok kid. I'm really not. I want to be so bad. It ain't going to happen. But we're going to stick with this longevity thing we got going on. I'm going to keep working my butt off at my shows, and that's what we're going to keep doing. But very excited for new music, very excited for new merch, new graphics, new all that kind of stuff. So if you guys want to follow along, I would really appreciate it. We have a lot of fun out there, so I hope that you guys do. Well, Allie, if they're not, they should because, like I said, I, I love your music. I truly appreciate you having a very light drink with me, and this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, you see? It's been fun, right? So imagine if we drink together. We're going to have a party. Next time. Mm-hmm. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com.
everybody. Bye.